Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you so you are empowered with knowledge so you can make better financial decisions in your life. So it's interesting how things go in cycles. We get far more questions about travel than we have in years and years and years. Getting so many about, how do I find these great deals that I get? I want to talk about the how-to with the good deals. And also, as you probably have heard me say, my rule, never, 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 not ever, check a bag. Do I have a baggage check story for you coming up ahead? So I also want to talk about something growing in popularity for a very good reason, dash cams. I want to tell you why, unless you know you're a terrible driver, why you want a dash cam in your vehicle. So airfares confound people, particularly if you fly less than half a dozen times a year It's this giant mystery, this puzzle. You can't even figure out where the pieces go to try to get a deal. And so, as you have almost certainly heard me say, my rule is I find a deal and then figure out why I want to go there. You know, once a year, I take our team to our staff meetings wherever in the world the best deal is. And we've been all over the world. We've been all over Asia. We've been to Australia. We've been to all over Europe, South Africa, South Hawaii, America. South America, Hawaii. We, just as I have not, we have not been to Antarctica. No. We've been to everywhere. And so I called you the other day, Krista, because we're trying to figure out where in 24 we're going on staff trip. And so... The deals to Europe have been non-deal deals lately. And then some deals popped up in the last week, and they were pretty good. And I thought, you know what? Travel softening. I talked myself out of booking. We were right at the cusp of asking the staffers, you know, who wanted to go to this destination and then this other destination. And I just said, nope, nope, let's wait. And that's how I play the game, is I wait for the deal. If you leave the calendar as open as possible, and you let the whole world be your potential destination, you end up going everywhere in the world, but for typically a third, a fourth, a fifth of what people pay who say, I want to go here on this date. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not a good way to get things done. But there's also... Out of the United States, there's opened up these massive gaps in the prices on international trips based on what you use as your international gateway. Not where you live, but where you actually depart on the trip. 
And what used to be known as Scotch Cheap Flights, now known as Going, crunched all the numbers of all the deals they found over the last year. And they have found what I have found, that departures out of New York are the cheapest in the United States. That if you take a domestic flight to New York and start your international trip from New York, you will end up saving so much money. And I've found lately that there have been cases where I'm able to buy the fare at one-third the cost out of New York what it is out of my home city. One-third of the cost. I mean, that's a massive difference. That means you can take three people for the price of one, but you do have the cost of getting to New York first. But they didn't just say New York. They listed them in order. Number two, Boston. Boston is in a Donnybrook for international fares right now, particularly to Europe, because Delta Airlines senses weakness in JetBlue, and both domestic and international fares out of Boston have been getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as Delta smells blood in the water. Is that the expression? And they are trying to demolish, destroy JetBlue. So as Delta engages in what antitrust people might say predatory pricing, other people might say just vicious competition, temporarily fares in Boston, both domestic and international, overall have become the second cheapest in the United States. So people in the Northeast and New England would be well advised to check fares out of Boston when you're going somewhere if you're a couple of hours drive from Boston. Third place, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. was not historically a bargain airport, air region, but there's enormous fights going on, both international and domestic, with the fares out of BWI, Baltimore, Washington International, and out of Washington, Dulles. Forget Reagan National. Fares out of there are extremely high. But the two airports are vying for market share, and United is trying to own Dulles, Southwest own Baltimore, but a bunch of other airlines also are in that mix, and it's leading to much lower fares out of those two. Los Angeles is the West Coast airport you want to know about for travel when you're going particularly to Asia, but because, again, an extreme market share war between Alaska Airlines and Southwest has made L.A. a real bargain airport, and none of the three full fare airlines, American United or Delta, are strong in Los Angeles, and so that has made the market much more wide open, and so the airfares tend to be significantly lower than elsewhere in the country. So you've got these big markets that now have become real winners for people looking to save money. And in the Midwest, I didn't mention any place in the Midwest, Chicago comes in fifth place because there's enormous population. If you draw a big circle past Chicagoland for people going international, People in Indianapolis can go up to Chicago. People in Milwaukee can come down to Chicago. So it is the airport of choice 
if you live within a few hours drive from Chicago to get a much lower fare. So I'm going to stop with the top five, whereas the point is, we don't think that way when we're looking to buy an international ticket. We think local, but you think local to your wallet's great harm. You also have inconvenience. And if you go to one of these airports, you're having to fly to it, you need to give yourself plenty of buffer that you do not miss your international flight. I mean, so many people I know who take cheap tickets out of New York go a day or two early and have a little side trip to New York before they take their international flight to make sure they don't miss it. Because you miss that international flight, doesn't matter how cheap it was, you lost all that money. Now, the baggage thing. This story got a lot of play. It's been all over the place. United lost this young person's luggage. Her name was Ruby, and she'd flown from Denver to Baltimore for a lacrosse tournament. She was a goalie on the lacrosse team. Her mom, Sandra, and Ruby were flying back on United from Baltimore to Chicago, changed in Chicago. Think about that. That's two of our bargain airports right there. Anyway, and then flew on to Denver. United lost the $2,000 worth of goalie equipment. And United kept insisting that the goalie equipment was in Baltimore and it had never actually left. Well, what was the smart thing Sandra has done on her travel that every person who's crazy enough to check a bag needs to do? Be crazy like a fox. If you're an iPhone user, get AirTags. Put them in all your check bags. If you're Android, Get one of the third-party ones that are available from Samsung, um, Tile, whatever. Put those in your check bag because the airlines don't know, and they lose bags all the time, and then you're just left twiddling your thumbs. She knew the bags were in Terminal 1 at Chicago O'Hare, and United said, nope, they're, they're back in Baltimore. And the daughter needed the bags. And United never does anything. So what does she do? She redeemed United Miles, flew to Chicago, went to baggage claim right where Apple said the bag was, found the bag, flew back to Denver, and then it became a national story. And United then, in turn, gave her back the miles and a credit. And United issued a typical corporate contrite statement. Our teams work to reconnect our customers with their baggage as quickly as possible, and we regret that we could not get this bag to Denver sooner. Number one, the key lesson is keep your bag with you. You want to do a small carry-on bag. In this case, impossible because of the sports event. So if you are going to check a bag, either because you don't like yourself and you check a bag, or you have a reason that you have enough stuff that you have to check a bag, please get air tags of the equivalent so that you're not relying on the airline to tell you where something is when it's not there. All right. Patrick in Wisconsin says, I would like to know what Clark recommends we do with our passports when traveling abroad. We have a trip coming up and we're wondering what the best ideas are. Should I carry it around? Should I leave it at the hotel? That makes me nervous. Zippered pockets. How about a passport holder? 
Okay, first things first, always take a picture of the key pages of your passport and have them stored in whatever photo storage app you use because if your passport vanishes, you lose it, stolen, whatever, having that page makes it much easier to get an emergency-issued passport than otherwise. Two, I always use the hotel safe. And we've had people who've said, hey, I put my passport in the safe and it was stolen out of the hotel room safe. That could happen, but I think the much greater danger that we have heard from years of experience listening to people with their problems, with their stuff being stolen off their person, is you get pickpocketed or mugged or whatever. So I don't like carrying it around. But if you feel more comfortable carrying it around, you can go to Target or go online to Amazon or Walmart Plus or wherever, and you can get these various pouch kind of things that you either wear around your waist or you wear around your neck and you push it down. Inside your clothing. Yeah, in your clothing. Thank you. And you can have your passport in there. Any of those would be fine. I prefer the hotel safe. Tom in Wisconsin says, love the podcast. We save them up for road trips to make the time go by faster. We use a Chase Sapphire preferred credit card to pay for campgrounds. We live in our RV during the winter months. Campgrounds are specifically listed as travel expense, which are eligible for two times points. Sometimes the campground expense is miscategorized to a category that does not get the two times points. Am I able to dispute the category so I can get the promised two times points? Yeah, you contact the Chase Sapphire preferred folks and say you have a problem where you weren't credited properly with points, that should be one that's not too hard to fix. I mean, they count on most people saying, oh, well, I didn't get the points. But, you know, the promise is you get 2x for that category, and if Chase miscategorized it and didn't give you your points, you get your points. Good reminder to check check that on your statements for, for those categories. Bonnie in North Carolina says, we recently went to New York City for the first time. I followed your advice and did my homework. I knew to generally avoid the Times Square area and research local options for meals. Imagine my distress when my husband insisted on eating at the Times Square Diner on our way to visit a museum. The whole time I thought Clark Howard would not approve. It hurt my feelings to pay $18.95 for a Reuben sandwich, but we ate every bit of it. I even made my husband eat the extra pickle because I wasn't going to let one crumb of that food go to waste. Keep up the good work and thank you for all you do. Okay, I absolutely love that. So what I love in in New York too is everybody's on foot and every restaurant posts their menu prices outside. I can see that I just keep hoofing it to somewhere else. $18.95 for a Reuben sandwich? But if you enjoyed it, that is awesome. Maybe. (laughs) Okay. One last quick one about travel from Jerry in California. I have a new goal for Clark. Forget about trying to visit all 50 states. Clark should be on a mission to visit every Costco on earth. The Costco's outside of the U.S. are not the same as in the U.S. They are tailored to local customs and food preferences. I would love to hear about how Clark got to a city by cruise ship. And then the only excursion in that port was a trip to the local Costco. You know, that sounds fun. (laughs) Some people do baseball stadiums. Yeah, people visit every baseball stadium, every football stadium. I was on a flight yesterday with somebody who was trying to go see a baseball game, and the flight was delayed, and they lost the the baseball game yesterday. It was their first time going to that stadium. Oh, well, 
But uh, yeah, visiting every Costco in the world. I want to go see the one in Taiwan where people stack the stuff on the scooters, you know, 12 feet high. That would be fun. That would be a Clark trip to go to the food court at Costco's all over the world. The only one I've ever been to outside the United States was in Australia. Mm. I didn't like it nearly as much as a U.S. Costco, but it was it was my kind of experience, which shows it is true. I am the dullest human being that has ever lived. <laughs> Coming up ahead, there's something I want you to open up the wallet for and spend as much as $20 as a form of insurance. I'm going to tell you about it straight ahead. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Auto insurance premiums have gone just berserk in the United States. All state has had its financial strength ratings lowered twice recently because the revenue coming in is not enough to cover the enormous claims on auto insurance. And they are pushing up premiums by massive amounts at Allstate in states where they're allowed to push up the rates. Rates going up as much as 40% reportedly. And it's not just Allstate. This is a problem in auto insurance. The cost of repairing a vehicle, the time that a vehicle is not available because of a shortage of body shop mechanics. I mean, it's a big, big problem. And if your car is totaled, although used vehicle prices have come way back down, they're still higher than they were if you go back pre-pandemic. So the market is curing on vehicle prices, but not cured yet. So this has really put enormous pressure on the auto insurers. So when there is an accident, I mean, it's a big stakes game. Who ends up being held responsible for that accident? And you don't want it to be you, particularly if you didn't do anything wrong. So dash cams are something that's much more popular outside the United States than it is here in the U.S. and absolutely essential for you to have. And it doesn't have to be one of these fancy ones. You can buy dash cams. I'm looking right now on Amazon for a basic dash cam that records usually on an SD or micro SD card. 15 bucks, 14 bucks, 21, 19. 22, I'm getting expensive here. 19, 19, 18, 895, 19. So you get the idea. 
even though you'll see dash cams that cost 600 or $800 and do all this fancy stuff, the reality is having a $15 one will get the job done. And with a dash cam, it records video if you're in an accident and clearly in your mind it's not your fault. You can watch that video, you can show the police officer, and it may keep you out of trouble. Now, there are certain makes and models, like all Teslas, as an example, have dash cams built into them. Chris, I want to bring you in now because you were in an accident, and the other driver was alleging it was your fault. Right. So there was no way it was your word against his till you said, uh, officer, I can show you the video of the accident. And... She was going crazy excited about the quality of the video. She wasn't was she? really surprised like that I had these amazing angles and there were different angles of it to show that he had come into my lane and sideswiped me. So uh, the Tesla is an expensive system with the multiple cameras. These I'm talking about, and you can get those kind, but these I'm talking about are just a straight shot kind of camera. So it won't do what yours did, but it was open and shut once right. the officer saw the video. Yeah. And the, I mean, it was a young man and he was contrite. He just, he wasn't sure. He said he had been confused and I felt for <laughs> once, him. Once the video, did he watch the video too? Um, yeah. I showed him some of the video. I was like, see here where you come into my lane and hit my car. <laughs> That's what happened. And so what did he fine. say then? He's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And, but he still was trying to say, well, I'm not sure what really happened to the officer. And she's, she's just said, well, I, it's pretty clear there on the video. So it was fine. I felt fine. fine for you. Not so good yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But mean, think about you ended up without, because uh, even if the officer had held you partially responsible, yeah, that's evidence is not conclusive what an insurance company decides. But it's really hurtful now that the insurers are finding 10% at fault for the person who wasn't at fault, 20%. So they can get a double deal out of it where both parties have an at fault and they can raise the premiums on both. That's why having this video is so important because it's hand-to-hand combat with auto insurers right now. Absolutely. All right, you ready for questions? Robert in Florida says, my wife has been bugging me about getting a new car. Our current one's 10 years old, has only 50,000 miles on it, and runs like a charm. But we're doing pretty well for ourselves, and she's looking for something comfier. I've been toying with the idea of getting a new ride, but with the economy being unpredictable and car prices all over the place... I'm not sure when the right time would be. When do you think it would be smart to pull the trigger on a new car? Any economic hints or trends I should watch out for before deciding? And do you know of any websites where I can get some guidance? There's also talk of a recession coming up. Would it be wise to hold off until then? We're thinking about SUVs. Does that change anything? Okay, so remember I was saying earlier when I was talking about the repairs of used vehicles and the used vehicle market is normalizing but is not normal yet? The new vehicle market is closer to normal, but not there yet. The supply of vehicles on dealer lots has gone from nothing to quite a bit of inventory, except at Toyota and Honda. And so the prices are dropping. Tesla cut the prices of two of its models again in just the last couple of weeks. The marketplace has spoken and the automakers are seeing buyers be kind of like on buyer strikes. This means every month you wait, you'll be rewarded 
with lower prices. Having said that, you've been driving this vehicle 10 years. You met my 10-year rule. But at the same time, the vehicle's a baby, 50,000 miles. So this is a case where you're tired of it. It's not tired as a vehicle. So I would say the practical thing for the two of you would be to look at this as a purchase sometime in 24. The emotional side of this, you've already managed 10 years out of this. Prices are better than they were before, particularly if you shop around. If you want to go ahead and do it, go ahead and do it. Ricky in Oklahoma says, I want to buy a used electric vehicle, but how many miles should it have? I'd buy a gas vehicle with 100,000 miles, but I don't think I'd buy an EV with that many miles. What are your thoughts? So Ricky, the key with an electric vehicle isn't miles on the odometer nearly as much as miles of range. There are a number of first-generation electric vehicles. If you're looking at having one as a local commuter vehicle, that if it's one that gets like 80, 100, 120 miles of supposed range, those are so dirt cheap now as a used vehicle purchase because they are like generations back now of where the marketplace is. On the other hand, if you need one that is going to get you good range for uh, potentially road trips or something like that, then I would say... You're right. If you look at miles, probably you want to buy something that has less than 30,000 miles on the odometer. When you buy that, you should have years and years and years of manufacturer's warranty and mileage range available to you if a problem happens with the battery pack, which is the big expense with an electric vehicle. So you look at those two things. The range you get from a full, fully charged battery pack and how much additional life and miles and years the battery pack has is the combo of when it's a decent purchase to buy that electric vehicle. And if you want to do a lot of over-the-road trips, as of right now, you only have one brand you can look at and one brand only, and that's Tesla, because the charging network is a joke over the road for every other brand but Tesla. Lewis in Ohio says, I purchased an extended warranty with a new vehicle with a stipulation that if unused, I would receive the entire amount paid $2,000 back. After submitting all the required information, I've been told the warranty company has a class action suit against them and I will probably not receive a refund. Lewis, thank you for mentioning this. This bust out scenario happens repeatedly with the extended warranties and dealers struggle so much to get people to buy these piece of garbage third-party extended warranties because the profit margins on them for the dealers are gigantic they charged you two thousand dollars for a warranty that probably cost the dealer 150 200 dollars is what they paid for the warranty there's no way the math works on these warranties if people actually have a problem and want to make a claim A lot of these are run by con artists. Uh, There's been rumors that organized crime is behind these third-party warranties. What they'll do is they collect a lot of premiums, and then they vanish in the night. That's why uh, law enforcement calls it a bust-out, where instead of somebody busting in, they just vanish, leave all their furniture, everything there, and just run away with your and everybody else's money. I would file a claim if there is actually a class action lawsuit, but I would not be optimistic 
the key message here, Lewis, for anybody who ever wants to buy an extended warranty on an automobile, always buy the manufacturer's own, not one that's from the dealer, from the manufacturer itself, even if it's purchased at the dealer. You buy a Toyota, you want a Toyota warranty. You buy a a Chevy, you want a General Motors warranty. You buy a Ford truck, you want a Ford warranty. You want it from the manufacturer. That's the only way you can trust that a warranty is worth some semblance of the paper it's printed on. And I'm really sorry you were taken advantage of this way. The one thing I can tell you is maybe something will happen through the class action, but also you've been such a help to your fellow listener. And I hope that you are enjoying this podcast. I hope that this show brings value to you in your life, inspires you with new things to do to make your wallet grow, to make more financial security happen in your life. So remember what we're about on this podcast, giving you ideas so you save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. And hit the subscribe button if you're listening right now and you're not a subscriber. We got the hits coming for you all week long of ways to empower you and take more control of your wallet in your life. Have a great day.